Hello and welcome to Renew, Restore, Rejoice, the Safe House Ministries podcast where we share stories of the power of God to change lives through Safe House Ministries. Safe House Ministries is based out of Columbus, Georgia, and we are a ministry that exists to love and serve people who have been impacted by homelessness, addiction, and incarceration. I am your host, Phil Schuler, the Director of Development for Safe House Ministries here in Columbus, Georgia. Safe House serves over 1,000 people each month as they transition back into our community. Safe House provides 213 beds for homeless individuals and families and provides many other important services such as case management for obtaining employment, case management for finding a permanent home, over 300 hot meals every day, free clothing, and so much more. One of the most incredible services that Safe House Ministries provides is our free 9 to 12 month intensive outpatient substance abuse program, which is state licensed and has no wait list, setting it apart from nearly all other state licensed recovery programs, which are often very expensive and nearly always have a wait list of two weeks or longer. Almost 100% of those individuals staying in our shelters who follow our three-phase program end up fully employed, and 68% of individuals who stay at least one night with us end up finding work and moving into their own home. Thank you for being with us today and listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. So, Jamie Lee, good morning, and it's good to have you today. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Phil. So, I'm excited to hear more about your story. I've heard that it is an amazing story, but I don't know that much about it. I'm excited for our listeners to be able to learn a little bit more about you and about what the Lord has done in your life and how the Lord has used Safe House Ministries in your life as well. So, Jamie Lee, would you start with maybe sharing where you came from and where things started to go south and how it all started in your life? Okay. So, I'm originally from Southern California. I moved out here to Georgia when I married my husband, who was in the military. You know, we had, I had some issues with alcohol and using that to cope when I was in my 20s. But my life really didn't get unmanageable at that point. Once I got married, we had two beautiful kids. Um, You know, the stress of marriage and life and military life, you know, really took a toll on me personally. I definitely started to abuse alcohol and prescription drugs when my marriage started to started to fail. We went to counseling and I never really was able to admit that I had a problem. That was just how I dealt with it. It wasn't until I lost everything when we got divorced, I left. And, you know, I left under the assumption I'm just going to go stay with a friend until I get on my feet. And I I didn't have any good coping skills. I, I didn't know how to cope with the loss of my marriage and and moving out. You know, we were married for 14 years. So, you know, that was a really hard time in my life. And that's when I was introduced to meth and the streets. And I just lost myself at that point. I lost who I was. I didn't have any hope. So where were your, so when you got divorced, what happened to your kids? Where were they? So my kids, my kids stayed with my husband, with my ex-husband. Because I knew that the things that I was doing were wrong. And I knew that taking my kids from their stable home, even though it was without me, was not appropriate. And that wasn't what, you know, they needed. So I left in order to get myself better, um, get, get on my feet by myself. My intentions were good. 
but my coping skills were not. So you had a heart and a desire to turn things around and get yourself to a better place. But with the pain and the, the struggles, you you faced difficulties and it ended up kind of going the opposite direction. That's right. And and I didn't know I, I didn't know how to do things by myself. You know, being married for 14 years, I was it was my job to support the family. And, you know, at that point in my life, I needed support myself. And being from California, all my family was there. So when I left my ex-husband, I, I didn't have any support. I didn't know any. I wasn't around any people doing good things. I, I, I was around people that weren't doing good things and making some choices myself not to do some good things. So tell us a little bit about the, the emotional state, the mental state, where you were at at that time. Okay. I, I knew that what I was doing was wrong. I'll talk about my divorce hearing. I didn't know how to show up clean. I, I showed up. I showed up high because I didn't know how to deal with the emotion that I was going through. I didn't know how to deal with the loss of everything that I knew life to be. You know, even though it, w it was great in the beginning, up until year five, six, seven, things were manageable. But it, it, it they became quickly unmanageable, and and my choices didn't help. I went through depression. I stayed at the Bradley Center here in Columbus a couple of times for suicide attempts. You know, there was a, a part there was a part where I knew that if I didn't leave the home because it was over, and we were we were definitely getting divorced. I knew that if I didn't leave, I, I wouldn't be alive much longer. So the the latter half of your marriage and the divorce, all of that took place in Columbus? Yes. Yep. Okay. Fort Benning is where we lived. Okay. So what happened from there? So you were out, your kids were with your hus your ex-husband now, and you got introduced to meth. Where did things go from there? Insanity. You know, doing the same thing every day, expecting a different result. I remember I was out there in the streets with literally nowhere to go, every day waking up, not knowing where I'm going to sleep the next night or how I'm going to eat. I knew that the road that I was going down was not what I needed to be doing, but I didn't know how to stop. You know, I remember feeling towards the end there, I remember feeling hopeless. I, I remember asking God to help me. I feel like every time I did that, I ended up going to jail. So you're living on the streets where you bouncing around trying to find friends. You could maybe just stay a night yeah. or two in a friend's house or just. Yep. From house to house and, you know, living that lifestyle, your things get stolen. I mean, all of my IDs, my wallet was gone. The first time I went to jail was really, it, it was an eye opener, but it definitely, I, I didn't change because I didn't know how to do things differently. You know, living, living that lifestyle of trying to get from A to B, but taking every which way around it, you know, it, it was chaos every day. Was it, what landed you in jail? Possession charges. Yeah. The drugs. It was, it was always the drugs. So that sounds like the low point. Yep. What began to change in your life or what happened that maybe brought you to a turning point? So the last time that I ended up in Muskogee County Jail, I met Neil Richardson, and he was the chaplain there. I remember talking to my public defender and, and telling her I didn't want to go to prison. I don't belong in prison. I'm a good person. I, I just don't know how to stop living the way that I was living. And she said, well, let's see if we can't get you into a treatment program. 
So I got sentenced to Tomorrow's Hope. And I remember vividly, like it was yesterday, being transported by Neil Richardson to the Trinity House. And I did not stay for the first go round. It took, you know, I, I got to the Trinity House and I was supposed to be going to treatment in about a week. And I, I remember calling my ex-husband to, I wanted to talk to the kids, you know, hey, I'm, I'm clean and I'm out and I just got into this program and I'm going to be doing something good with my life. And it, it was that phone call where he told me that I wasn't worth anything. I wasn't going to, it didn't matter what I did. You know, the kids weren't going to love me. And that sent me back out. That sent me back out. And I ran from the program and from probation for a year. And I remember the next day waking up and not being at the program and and just feeling like, here we go again. Where am I going to stay? What am I going to do? How am I going to eat? I knew that my focus was not on getting high anymore. It was I need to know how to live, you know, and so I was, I was already done at that point. Using at that point was just a means to get by through the next day to hide the emotion and the hopelessness that I was dealing with. It's another year you were hiding from the law, mm-hmm. just struggling through in the same kind of position that you had been before. Yeah. You had, I guess given up and not accepted the offer to stay at the women's shelter, which was Trinity House at the time and in the Tomorrow's Hope program. So after that year, what happened? So I ended up with a warrant. I was in the in a vehicle with somebody that got pulled over and they ran my name and, and they said, well, you're going back. So I went back to jail and I was afforded a second opportunity to do Tomorrow's Hope. And I just remember crying. Like, thank God, because I knew I knew I needed the help and I hadn't really heard much about the program. I didn't really give it a chance, but I knew what I did know was I didn't want to live the way that I I had been living for that last year. I didn't want to run anymore and it didn't matter what it took. I I was going to take suggestions and do what I needed to do to get better for me. Yeah. So so this time you took it more seriously and you were ready to do the hard work to make the change. Yeah. So tell us about that. Tell us that process. So surrender. I had to surrender every part of my life. Not picking up was the easiest part for me. You know, going to Tomorrow's Hope, I was introduced to the 12 steps and I still use those steps today. My my clean day is May 21st, 2020. So this month I'll be three years clean. And not picking up was the easy part for me. I, I had to learn and work hard and I and I still work hard every day on how to how to live clean. You know, abstaining and living clean are two different things. I fell into a church family that I absolutely love. I fell into a support system, a network of people that are living clean, that are working steps in their life. My higher power is what I rely on every day. Awesome. So the Lord had a purpose for your life. And yeah. he was there all along. He led you. He guided you. Tell us about when you came to know God in a personal way. Well, I grew up with my dad always telling me about Jesus and how much he loves me. Well, I didn't grow up in church, but I did grow up. I went to a, a private Christian school, elementary through sixth grade. So I feel like I got a pretty good foundation, but I never really understood or I guess really accepted the fact that, that God was real until 
going through everything that I've been through and being able to look back and see, like, I wouldn't have made it through all of these things if it wasn't for God being there. He never turned his back on me. I, I definitely turned away from him a number of times, but he never turned his back on me. He, and he always welcomes me with open arms. And I, I talk to him every day. Every day I work on my relationship with him because he's important. And you mentioned purpose. So I, I never in my life have understood what people meant when they said that they had a calling on their life until after graduating the program, Tomorrow's Hope, after 12 months and getting a job and working and saving money and moving out of the women's shelter and being on my own, Safe House Ministries called me and asked me if I wanted a job, if I wanted to work in the women's shelter. And I was reluctant to say yes. It took me two months to say yes to that. I prayed and prayed and prayed. I was working at Wade Cleaners at that time. And I just remember it, they're a great company. Yeah, they're great people. But I remember going to work every day saying, this, this can't be it. I'm living clean now. My thinking has changed. I, I want to grow in every way. So I accepted the job at Safe House and I started as a house manager at the women's shelter that I had just left. And uh, I did that for a few months and then I moved into case management. And after a couple months of that, the director position came open and they offered me the position. God has used my past and my mistakes to put me somewhere where I have purpose every day. I get to be a part of other people getting into recovery. I work with public defender. I work with probation, a lot of different agencies locally, getting people off the street and affording them the same opportunity that was given to me twice. And it's, it's, it's really, it's wonderful. Every part of my story isn't perfect and amazing. My children still don't speak to me, even though I'm three years clean. I, I call them every other day. And, and listen to silence on the phone. And that's really difficult for me. Being a mother, that's your purpose. From that moment on forever, that's your purpose in life, to be a mother. And I feel like God bringing me to Safe House Ministries has given me the purpose that I was lacking because of my choices. So, How old are your kids now? So my kids are 16 and 14. It is amazing. And it seems that God has done such a work in your life that you now have the strength in him to even endure continued pain with what you described with your kids. But, but yet you have that strength of faith, that strength of purpose, that relationship with the Lord, that even through the pain, you can keep walking the right path, keep staying clean, keep doing what the Lord wants you to do and helping others. That, that is really neat. It really seems like your life went from a place of knowing about God and then finding yourself in some very heavy darkness. But at some point, it seems like you went from knowing about God to actually having a personal relationship with him. Tell us about that. The hopelessness that I felt while living that way, I always felt like I was by myself. I always felt like I was alone. Nobody understood. It wasn't until getting into the rooms of AA and NA and working some steps that I realized I wasn't alone here on this earth. Other people are going through and have been through the same things that I'm going through and have been through, and and they're doing amazing things in their lives. And so something is working there. Through the 12 steps, I found that relationship with God. In AA, we say 
you know, a, a higher, my higher power of, of my own understanding. And for me, that's, that's Jesus. You know, he has walked with me through everything. And I used to pray early in recovery. I used to pray that, you know, God, just give me my kids back. You know, give me my kids back. I want, I want to be a mother again. Through having a relationship with God and, and really trusting him with everything, it's made it a lot easier for me to have faith that he has a purpose for my life. And even if it's not to be a mother in this season, it is something else, something bigger. And he's working all of these things for his good and for mine and for other people. My, my prayer these days is much different. I pray that God will prepare me for when my children are ready to come back in life. I just keep going every day. That's, that's pretty amazing. So tell us a little more about your present role, your title within Safe House Ministry. You are one of the, the leaders in that organization. So tell us a little more about what that looks like for you. I know you mentioned a little bit about it, but mm -hmm. expand on that. Okay, so I am the Director of Connection Services for Safe House Ministries. I supervise all three of our shelters, the Women's Shelter Grace House, the Men's Shelter Freedom House, and the Family Shelter Trinity House. I supervise house management, facility supervisors, and case management. I also supervise the Connections Department at our day center and the Rapid Rehousing Case Management Team. I also handle the grant coordinations for our ESG funding, and that's something that walking into work every day is a blessing. I get to help, like I mentioned earlier, I get to help folks get into treatment. I handle all of those coordinations as well, working with public defenders, POs. It's really, it's awesome. It's awesome to be on this side of things. I have probation officers calling my phone every day for very different reasons <laughs> than before. I don't work as closely with specific client as I did when I was a case manager, but I do have the opportunity to to speak to some clients sometimes when they're having a hard time. And I did that yesterday with one in particular, and it was he was ready to leave. He was ready to leave because he was having a hard time with somebody else. And I, I made time in my day to sit with him and talk to him about his options because I've been that person that has left. And, and it didn't get me anywhere good. And to come back into work today and to see him there was pretty awesome. Wow. So. That is neat. That's really awesome. Tell us a little bit about Tomorrow's Hope, which is the substance abuse treatment program. I know it's an intensive outpatient program. And as you mentioned, we do have the capability with Safe House Ministries where we can offer the shelters for individuals who would otherwise be homeless as they go to the program. Mm -hmm. Tell us about Tomorrow's Hope, what it meant to you and what that process looked like and how it helps others today. Okay. So Tomorrow's Hope is a nine to 12 month state licensed CARF accredited intensive outpatient treatment program. Tomorrow's Hope is going to introduce, well, I can tell you what it did for me. Tomorrow's Hope introduced me to the 12 steps. The groups and the counselors in Tomorrow's Hope were that initial support system that I was lacking. I was able to go into group every day and talk about the root of some of these issues and figure out that drugs and alcohol were just a symptom of a disease of alcoholism that I had. It helped me become really self-aware, definitely gave me the tools to work on myself every day and the support. That, that was the biggest thing for me was with not being from here and all my family in California, I didn't know where to turn. Tomorrow's Hope was that initial support for me. It kind of guided me in the steps. 
how to work on my life and, and how to how to get connected, how to stay connected with like minded people. Sponsorship. Tomorrow's Hope introduced me to a whole new way of life. So during your time with Tomorrow's Hope, were there times when you came close to dropping out again and running away again? If so, what kept you there? What was it that helped you to not take those temptations to fall back? I could speak on the first time that I actually did leave. You know, once I came back that that second time, I was ready. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I knew that the way that I was doing things was not getting me anywhere in life. It was only worse and worse. The biggest thing that I had to learn was to take suggestions. You know, I had to move my pride out of the way, my ego. I had to I had to realize and wake up every morning and look in the mirror and Jamie Lee, you don't know anything about living clean. So let's get up and let's humble myself and and take some suggestions from the program, take some suggestions from a sponsor. One thing that helped me was realizing that I wasn't by myself. I wasn't alone. The counselors in Tomorrow's Hope, a lot of them have been through it and, and are addicts and alcoholics themselves. Just have to be open-minded and willing. And the program will show you the way to go. Wow. So you mentioned the word surrender mm-hmm. and I hear you talking about letting go of pride and embracing humility and just receiving, receiving words of suggestion, receiving, receiving the things that people said that you need to do to make those positive changes. Someone else mentioned in a previous podcast that he felt like it was like sandpaper. It was just a painful process of, of shaving away all the things that needed, he needed to get rid of and would you feel like that's maybe an accurate description or? It, it definitely can be. Working with my sponsor, even now to this day, life is always going to show up. It, it's how we deal with it that matters. I don't run from my feelings or my emotions. Today, I take an honest look at them. I take an honest look at my character defects. And just the same, I take an honest look at my asset. I have self-worth today. And that's that's a big deal for me. People in the program of Tomorrow's Hope and people in AA and NA in the rooms loved me until I loved, until I could love myself. That That's amazing. Tammy Lee, thank you for sharing your story, your testimony, sharing what God has done in your life, sharing your journey in Safe House Ministries and Tomorrow's Hope and what an amazing place you are in now where the Lord has just given you the opportunity to be a help to so many other people to give hope, to give those second chances. Yeah. That is incredible. So thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing. And God bless you. Thank you for having me. In your path ahead. Yeah. So Jamie Lee, one last question. What parting words of advice would you like to give to others maybe who are struggling and who need some changes in their lives? Mm -hmm. I would definitely say you are not alone. You are not alone. Find the rooms of N.A., Find the rooms of AA, find a church home, reach out for help. There, There is hope. Awesome. There is. Thank you. You're welcome. you mind if we close out in prayer? Absolutely. Father, thank you for Jamie Lee. Thank you for what you've done in her life. Thank you for leading her to kneel when she was in jail. Thank you for leading her to go from a place of knowing about you to actually knowing you personally to being able to receive Jesus as our Savior and to build that personal relationship with you. Bless her path. Guide her path. Lord, if it be your will, then I pray you might open the door for her to be able to have a relationship with her children and just to invest in them and love them and 
to serve them and, and be a mother that she wants to be. Lord, thank you that you are using her to help so many people's lives. Father, she's able to help others who are mothers, others who are fathers, others who, who need help. Bless her in that path. Just continue to grow her as a person and her influence and her leadership. Protect her. Any traps that life may bring her way and just bless the future for her life, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We look forward to being with you again next week as we share another testimony about the power and the goodness of God to change lives through Safe House Ministries. If you are someone listening to this podcast that just loves to hear these stories of the great things that God is doing in changing people's lives for the better, then if you would like to be a part of that work, please reach out to us. You can reach us at 2101 Hamilton Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31904. You can call us at 706-322-3773. Or you can email us at info at safehouse-ministries.com. Thank you so much for being with us this week for the Renew, Restore, and Rejoice podcast of Safe House Ministries. We pray that God will bless you this week, and we look forward to having you back with us again next week for a new episode.